0: Mike, you ready? Yes. All right. Time out. Well, Tyler's not here today, but we're taking a time out with Mike, uh, founder of Foundry here in Rochester, one of the fastest growing companies in our area. Tyler went off and had a baby, uh, Ella Bliss. Uh, She came out healthy, happy, um, hungry, as Tyler tells me as well, Um, but he won't be able to join us for today's interview. So it's just me and Mike sitting down one-on-one. Mike, I got to ask, how the heck did you get into cryptocurrency before uh, it became popular?
1: <laughs> oh, Starting with a small question, huh? Yeah, just a tiny <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, so I, the short, short answer is I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and uh, really believed in the future of this technology and what it could do and decided to pivot my entire career and go all in and learn it from the ground up. And it's been a wild ride ever since, it's been five and a half years and every day, every week brings new challenges and experiences. It's, it's fun, it's fast
0: moving. I'm, I'm excited to get into the meat and potatoes there. I thought yeah. I had to ha- hammer you with that question because right. some wow. still don't really understand what uh, what the whole cryptocurrency is. I, I have these conversations with my grandparents sometimes, and I still don't understand what that is. And I was like, me either. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> So Mike, Tyler and I typically always ask, if if you were to put up a billboard on 390, what would your message be out to the Rochester community? Just what is your personal message out to the community that you look to share?
1: Uh, I'd probably put buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> right. <laughs> or take your time. I mean, everyone buys it at the price they, uh, they deserve to buy it at. So, um, But yeah, I think, I think it would be kind of thought-provoking for folks. I yeah. found that it's it's one of these things where it's like a, you have to do your own research and it's a little bit of a personal journey. And as you go down that path, it just opens your eyes to a lot of things that are happening in the world that um, I know prior to getting into crypto, I was kind of ignorant of, I, or you know, I, w- I really wasn't paying attention to it, right? I was kind of focused on my little small part of the world and not really thinking about, Kind of the bigger things that are happening, not just in the United States, but really on a global basis. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, Bitcoin, when you start to learn about, you know, sound money and how our financial systems actually work and, and what blockchain technology is capable of, it's, it's, it starts, you start to realize that there's, there's, a, there's a better world out there for us. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about what we're doing and what we're building. And it's fun every day.
0: I'm sure I'm sure it's always a challenge, but i I, I think that uh, your intention of building a better world with with new technology or n- a new currency, for instance. but it's you probably have to fight a lot of assumptions, right? or uh, overgeneralizations that people have made because they're so familiar and comfortable with, maybe uh, due to the ramifications of the Great Depression, where they were s- stuffing money and didn't really trust banks and cash was king how are you seeing people evolve just in their own personal journeys as they get familiar and more comfortable with really the safety or security i guess that uh, that bitcoin or blockchain offers
1: yeah, well I, I can speak for myself personally i would i would say it's freeing right like you you get a sense that you kind of control your own destiny from a monetary perspective and look it's a it's a wild ride but Um, that, you know, you end up with kind of self-sovereignty around it, right? Like you control, you control your own Bitcoin. And uh, I think long-term that's going to be a really important concept for folks. Um, You know, in the U.S., we kind of just, we just inherently trust all the banks, you know, and uh, trust the government. And, um, but look at the, you know, They've printed a lot of money. They've printed 40% of all US dollars have been printed in the last three years. Wow. You know, and, they, and then they ask where's inflation coming from, right? Like you can't just keep printing money. It's not good. It's not good for any of us.
0: And, and you talk about like control and, and trust, and, and we're starting to learn from a leadership perspective, which you've also had to learn at the same time of learning a complex industry. You're also now have to in, in, uh, understand and learn more about complex humans, right? And how they interact. But that control and that trust is also really important from a, a culture perspective. How do you work to build trust? Because you've had significant growth it can be hard to stick to your values and your vision sometimes with all these new individuals and new faces. How have you continued to build that trust amongst your team to build this employer brand that you have uh, here in Rochester? It's pretty impressive.
1: it's yeah, so a great question. Um, I don't know, I guess for me, it starts with, um, being authentic. Um, so kind of what you see is what you get. Um, you know, telling it the way, telling it the way it is being, being truthful about where we're at. Uh, I think we, you know, we've worked really hard at Foundry to build a strong culture. Uh, We've got an incredible mission and, you know, trying to find the right people that align with that mission and that culture. And when you, when you get people that are all on board with that, um, then, you know, then create an environment that allows folks to um, be open and honest about what's going on, right? Like it's not, things aren't always rosy. Sometimes there's, there's tough tough things you gotta, you gotta tackle and you gotta be able to do that as a team. So um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been, it's been a long.
0: I'm, long I'm sure. Years. And you probably learn every day <laughs> and, and that's it's yeah. probably a learning journey because you're also, In an environment, right, you totally switch gears yourself, you switch careers, you switch industries, you switch passion. Um, So you've probably had to rely on some of your team that may have had more industry experience or knowledge than you um, to teach you things. Uh, And and probably by asking really good questions (laughs) and being curious because of this whole new world. Um, when you talk about obviously kind of building a culture and, and you talk about, uh, I mean, maybe some of the, the, the ingredients or keys to your success, what would you put your finger on is what is different about this environment that you've created at Foundry comparatively to some of the other places that you may have worked in the past, maybe a bartending job or a waiting, waiter job? Um, how would you compare it to the, and, and, and why, right? Because I think there's always a reason why those values mean something to you, Mike.
1: I think for me, you know I've always been of the opinion that you want to surround yourself with really good people, right so uh, we we have an amazing team. I've got an amazing leadership team. Um, they're all bought into what we're doing. Uh, everybody operates with a high level of integrity and um, and we have some fun, right? like we like we spend a lot of time I like to work. Um, and I spent a lot of time at work and I wanna, I wanna be with people that I enjoy being around. And I would say that like in an interview, when we interview people, I always tell the team like, hey, you gotta, you gotta imagine like going on a six hour car ride with somebody. <laughs> like, do you wanna sit in a car, just the two of you for six hours or eight hours? And if the answer's not yes, then why do you want to sit next to that person all day, every day for the next, you know, umpteen years, right? So, um, you know, so I think we genuinely enjoy being with each other. And um, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of hard work, but um, it's a ton of fun, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, um, uh, yeah, so I guess that's I think you, I but it sounds right?
0: like you're creating a, a trusting environment, right? Where people feel safe to share that feedback with you. And and some don't, right? Sometimes people respect the title so much that they feel like they can't come to you with some of these things. But it's clear that you've been able to establish that that trust, that that transparency. Do you, it it sounds like Mike, you let in your employees a little bit more behind the curtain. Are you sharing more about the outlook of the business and uh, maybe the profit and loss statement of the business so they can really understand, I guess, the mechanics of the business itself and how they individually move that needle forward for the organization?
1: Yeah. So we, we spend a lot of time communicating with the team, right? So look at three years ago, it was just me two years ago. It was like 10 of us. And today, I think there's around 170 people, right? Wow. So, as the organization has evolved, we've had to kind of change and and think through like how do you keep how do you keep everybody aligned? How do you keep spreading the message? So we do, you know, we do weekly all team calls, um, and it's been it's been fun. We you know we grew the whole business right through COVID, right? So. Mm-hmm we had to get used to being remote. Um, and uh, and so we created all kinds of different ways of connecting with folks. Um, so we do, we do these like one quick answer, you know, like one word answer questions and everybody gets to, to answer those questions. And we still do it today with 170 people, we can go through a question in about 20 minutes, right? Oh, wow. And it's just fun to see like, the dialogue that's starting to happen in the chats and connecting with different people, and we do monthly town halls, and we do we share a state of the state of the business and kind of what our focus is and where we're going, and and that's uh, been that's been super important. I also think having like a really good operating system is important. So we've engaged uh, with a, a system called EOS. Uh, it's a entrepreneurial operating, operating system or something. System, it's a, yeah. a track, the traction book. Uh, um, and that's been a great framework to get people aligned around goals and what's important this this quarter and this month and this week. Uh, so that's been that's been a great tool. I highly recommend it. You know, I spent a big chunk of my career working in like corporate America mm-hmm. and they typically have their own kind of flavor of an operating system. I found EOS to be super um, uh, super effective for kind of the small to medium sized companies, right? Definitely. And uh, so it's been great. We've been going down that journey. That's um, so exciting. I highly recommend that for for other people to look into and adopt and use. It's worth the time and energy
0: to do oh, that. I- I believe it wholeheartedly. It's uh, it's funny because uh, I'm talking more about entrepreneurial leadership, right? And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when most people, um, if you ask them, if, are you creative? Do you have an entrepreneurial mindset? Most people would say yes. And it just makes all the sense in the world from an operating procedure because I think the standard, right? If you say the corporate America structure that has been given, right? And then we see entrepreneurs like uh, uh, we've seen Musk, we've seen uh, Zuckerberg, we've seen everybody all of a sudden become entrepreneurs, but rush to go into that same box as the rest of corporate America through policies, procedures. And they almost inherently write out the innovation, the creativity, the uh, networking, the branding, and create these, whether intentional or unintentional silos within the business, that they're only working on their one mission and vision um, not really caring about the other department's mission and vision saying, that's not my job. That's not my lawn, right? That's your responsibility. And that's where the entrepreneurial mindset model made so much sense coming out of the pan- pandemic when most people want to feel empowered and enabled. And, and if you give them that space and build that environment with the right new nu- nu- nutrients, like you, sh- you were sh- saying earlier and fully trust them, it's amazing what relationships that they'll develop internally, to basically build their brand internally and externally to the organization, because then all of a sudden turnover is your businesses or side or, or area of, of importance, not just HRs, which typically gets blamed today. I love that mindset. What I got to go back to you more as an individual, Mike, because it sounds like you've done a lot of self-work, right? And that's, that's really when everybody asks me, "What's the difference between all the leaders that you you interview?" I can tell the individuals that have done the self work first to be the leader of, that they have become today. What was one of the most important lessons you learned early on when you were maybe the team of ten um, that you really have taken forward to to the 170 employees that you now have today?
1: Uh, you know, I I guess the way I would answer that question would be more you know through my whole career one of the things i i learned early on was don't be afraid to ask for help right and i think that um you know sometimes when you get like type a personality folks that are like go getters and they're going to go conquer the world a lot of times they don't they don't want to ask for help they they view it as like a weakness mm-hmm. right like and early on in my career, I, I think I discovered kind of the idea that, no, oh, it's actually a good idea to ask for help. And people appreciate that. And it actually help, you know, helps you connect with people in a different way. Uh, you're going it helps further your career. You're able to solve problems faster. Like, so I, I really think uh, so for me, creating an environment where people feel comfortable to ask for help, to make mistakes, you know, like I'm, I'm always thinking, like how, like I want to give, folks what I think people, for the most part, people want to inherently better themselves, better the company, like they want to excel. So, creating an environment that allows them to, the freedom to excel, I think is, is. Is critical and I think part of that is this idea that it's okay to ask for help mm-hmm. and um so I don't know it's something I've just carried with me through most of
0: my career I love that and and I I say pretty routinely that uh, I think listening right because it's one thing to ask the question but then actively listening to to that yeah. person's <laughs> individual's response per- Pretty important part of it is active, it is. active listening. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. But it, and that's what I always say because I think sometimes have a good they have a good intention with answering that question, but then they're either rushing to answer the question for you that they just asked, right. or already thinking about the next question that's coming out of their mouth, and they'll cut you off. And that's really where it's well, are you hearing me? Right? Are you actually listening? And I think to your point, I, I've seen it more be a dying art. The faster the world is is moving, right? The yep. faster the world is moving, the more we move towards this digital technology and communication, um, it's, we're, we're skipping this step of, of listening, right? And we're trying to fill in the blanks more. Uh, and I think that's kind of what you talked about is through your town halls, through your, through your weekly meetings with your employees, you've really opened up the listening channels with your employees. What, when's the last time or when have you made any changes based off of employee feedback there at, at Foundry? Because it sounds like you guys are like, actively th- listening quite continuously. Yeah,
1: yeah. Look at this industry, our, the 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 whole crypto space, blockchain space. It moves so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to even it's hard to even comprehend it until you've experienced it. Um, so every, I'd say every ninety days, like the entire wow. industry is changing. Right. So wow. we always joke that we you can put together. You know, we sit down and we're like, oh, let's create a three year plan. Ah, well, forget that. Let's create a one year <laughs> plan. Okay. But every 90 days, you got to like stop and literally rethink the one year plan as to is it going to, is it playing out the way you think it's going to play out? Um, so, in terms of, you know, one of our like one of our core values is, is we call it bend, don't break. And it's around being flexible. Right. So, I feel like, um, we're every day we're listening and we're making adjustments right so we're still even though we're 170 people we've only been around for three years we're still we still act a little bit like a startup in Mm -hmm. some respects um we're trying to like keep the best parts of a startup culture yet you know the, the reality is yeah if you get as you get bigger you do have to put policies in place and you know bureaucracy definitely starts to to seep in but we're, we work really hard to make sure we're we're super flexible and we're open-minded. That's okay. another one of our core values, right? Being open-minded. We call it parachute mind.
0: I love that. And I think I think, do you find being in such a rapidly evolving industry itself that it makes you and your leadership team as well as managers more comfortable with change?
1: You have to be comfortable with change to work in this industry. Like if you're not, this is not the place for you, right? Like it's very... Yeah. You know, and and we send that. We tell people that, like, hey, look, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of chaos. It's moving fast. If that if that isn't who you are, Mm -hmm. it's probably not the right right place for you. You know, so like, look for a different job.
0: But (laughs) I mean, and look at right there during the interview process. I think you guys are being transparent, open, and honest with the candidates to to paint that realistic image of what the industry what is a day in the life. But I, I, I seemingly see others, right, that will paint a totally different picture and then are surprised when their turnover rates are high within the first 90 days. Um, yep. But I think your transparency, you're building that even on day one with even a potential candidate. If I asked you what motivates Mike, like what gets you out of bed every day? What's your daily intention that you repeat to yourself? What is that message that you continuously repeat in your mind, Mike, that that fuels you or gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I, I think it's it's something around like I have a lot of passion with working with others and kind of inspiring them to, to reach their full potential and have a positive impact on the world. You know, like I I don't like working alone. I like working with others. And it's always like, how do we get more? How do we make a bigger impact? How do we do something significant? Um, and how, how do you grow as an individual? Right? So it's kind of like, a, it's a lifelong journey, right? It never, it never ends. That was, you know, for me, I've, I've been, I've, I'm lucky because I I joined YPO, right? And I think you're Uh, Mentioned Mark uh, McDermott, who you've you've interviewed before, right? We're we're in the same forum. We've been in the same forum for 15 years. Like, there's a group of people that I can go to um, to get help and to push myself, Um, and that's then that's been wonderful. And how do I find like the best practices out there and and one live on myself, but also you know help others reach their full potential.
0: Mm -hmm. I love the, and the YPO almost gives you a social board of directors, right? Maybe some of your accountability to give you ideas. But what I find it fascinating is that I think sometimes what what we've heard about other other leadership groups is that a lot of the individuals will go to these meetings and bring their problems and their challenges to individuals that don't really understand the business or their uniqueness of employees sometimes. And that's really what I'm hearing you is kind of taking those best practices, but then going internally and, and validating with your own team. Does this make sense? Would this work? Um, and almost co-creating any changes or solutions that you guys are, are, are pushing forward there at Foundry. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, and how do you, I guess, how, how have you, what was the one lesson that you had to learn early in leadership? Um that you always go back to? Maybe it was an experience that you had with a leader or a manager that you worked for. Um, is there anything that comes to mind that you can always go back to in a, an event or a snapshot in, a snapshot in time um, that you always find yourself reflecting on and trying to improve?
1: Uh, so when I started my career at GE, right? So I was fortunate um, you know, I graduated in the, in the mid 90s and GE was a you know, massive corporation at that time. Jack Welch was the CEO and, and I always remember he, he actually wrote a book with this title, but um, it said, control your own destiny or somebody else will. Hmm. And I don't know why, but I, I often go back to that quote and think about it. And at every point throughout my life, it's, it's, it's rung true if you really have to control your own destiny or somebody else will and it doesn't matter who you are what level in the organization you're at um i think it's i think it's just super important to like own your future yeah right it's yours yeah do what do what you need done for you right like or or other people will will take advantage of you in you know some form or fashion
0: yeah and 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 I, I, it's funny that you just said that, because I was thinking this morning in the shower, and I said when uh, I just wrote it down, but when you're living somebody else's dream, you're not you're you're no longer living yours, right? And right. and I think I think that's kind of the learning journey that I had, Mike, uh, during the pandemic myself, because I heard you say it, i I love work. I love work too, all right? Um, because I had to kind of dissect that. and I guess open up that peel back that onion a little bit. But it was, where I felt rewarded and recognized, right? It felt it was where I felt that I could enable the success of others and see their success. Right. Um, And I kind of just kept saying, because I think you and I are very much similar is that we like to, when I see other people successful, I feel successful, right? I don't, it's not I it's we, and, and I've always played on team sports. And I think what I had to learn was that work wasn't, defining me as successful or not successful in the world. And, and I think I let my title or my role or my position or work to determine my value out in society. And, and and that's kind of my personal journey that I had to go through during the pandemic because I am a workaholic. And sometimes I have to save myself from myself because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I will work a, a, a extreme, uh, but it's because I'm aligned uh, with my passion and my purpose. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. feel like work at that point. Is that what it felt like when you kind of shifted gears, right? And said, I'm getting out of corporate America. I'm kind of, I'm over it. I'm taking a bet on myself. I've seen what works in corporate America. I've seen what is good, but I've also seen the bad. What was your journey as you kind of evolved yourself to really take on this new passion project, which probably doesn't feel like work for you either now that you've grown from one to 170?
1: Well, it's definitely something I'm still trying to like, deal with yeah you know and I, I don't have a lot of like real bad addictions right like yeah I, I just don't I've been lucky in terms of not being addicted to a lot of things but I am addicted to work right so it is something that I battle on a regular basis so throughout my career I've not solved that one right like I still love to work I still I still uh I just feed off of it right um, the, I would say, you know, I've, I've had, a, I've had the chance to do a lot of different things in my career, a lot of different experiences, and it's been a ton of fun and I've, it's been amazing. I've worked with some great people. Um, and you know, this last, this last run was more, uh, when I learned about in 17, when I was reading about blockchain technology and Bitcoin, and it reminded me of the start of the internet. And I was in college, right, when Mosaic came out in Netscape, like literally the beginning of the I wish
0: I, I wish I was smart enough to get in the dot You weren't com even born. That. You weren't even born then.
1: Come on. And, uh, and I was too chicken to move to California, right? Like I, I went to school at the University of Buffalo, grew up in Rochester, went to school University of Buffalo. And I was too chicken to go to, to California and do the internet thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I, when I started learning about this technology, I thought, man, this doesn't happen very often in a lifetime that you can get in super early. And I have an amazing wife and she's like, go for it. So I, I really, I pivoted the whole, my whole career to start over from ground zero and learn a, a brand new industry. And I thought, you know, if I can stick with it long enough, I can help bridge the gap to the old world, to this new world. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still waiting for that to happen. It's been five and a half years. I still believe that we're going to bridge that gap when, you know, everybody is, you know, engaged in this new tech. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then, you know, the other part I, along the way, I really wanted to try to build a business in Western New York. Like that was been, been on my bucket list of like, I want to create jobs in Western New York. I love the fact that it's the high tech jobs cutting edge industry. We've got an amazing amount of talent in Western New York, amazing schools, just great people, hardworking. And uh, so it's been super fulfilling from that perspective. Like I'm, I'm really glad we're doing it here. I'm glad I've had the opportunity to do it here. You know, you, you, you said I was a founder of Foundry. I, I'm actually not the founder of Foundry. So we're part of a bigger company called the Digital Currency Group. And Barry Silbert, the CEO of that group, who was a very early investor in Bitcoin, he started Foundry. He wanted to get into the mining space and he asked me to come run it. So I was like employee number one. And he basically said, here's a white sheet of paper, go figure out what we can do. And I said, well, I don't want to move to New York City. And he, he's like, I don't want to build more businesses in New York City, build it in Rochester. And it was wow. just like a dream come true, right? It was like, Wow, I can't believe I get a chance to to do something here locally. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun. It's been awesome.
0: That's of- amazing. That is we're amazing. But, I mean, you you even just had that the you said it. I'm not all about vision boards, but, right? And I, I understand why vision boards exist, but because I think it's more about setting that intention, right? And that daily intention drives our attention throughout the day, um, whatever meeting we're in, whatever conversation yeah. that we're having, and and that intention is really important. And what I wanted to go back to is, is you and I being workaholics, right? Um, and, and we're kind of learning about the world of work, this right? This is a therapy yeah. session. Yeah, this is
1: turning into my therapy you know, I signed up for a therapy session. <laughs> yeah,
0: going back, but I'm the same way, right? And sometimes I can get frustrated if I feel like the same level of effort and energy is not being applied on the other side. And that's somewhere where I have to, that's a common, common challenge for me, right? And, and I don't let it come out, right? I, I know enough not to do that. Um, But sometimes I can take that and and internalize that as stress when I don't think others care as much as I do towards a given outcome or how we're viewed, right? Our brand. Um, How have you had to deal with that? Because I I know that's probably potentially an area and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not an area that you think of often um, being a workaholic myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I. I try my hardest not to like project that on others, right? Like everyone's got their own path through life. Um, So for me, I think it starts with the hiring process and making Mm -hmm. sure you've got people that align with your mission. Um, And then, um, and then, you know, I, I don't know. I, I look at it. We all have personal lives, and we've all got stuff going on in our personal lives that everyone has to balance. And I think it's super important to give space to folks um, for that balance, right? And I learned I learned that lesson early on, and I will be forever grateful for some leaders who gave me space when I needed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, um, so I guess I don't get too hung up on, like I don't care how many hours people work, whether yeah. they're in the office, out of the office we got stuff to do. And yeah. as long as it's getting done, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm comfortable with it. I
0: love it. Yeah, And I'm just going to go back to, uh, to you talking about uh, missing out on the internet era and you, you felt like you were too chicken. Right. And yeah. it reminds me of this book that I keep reading my 17 month old son. There's two books, what to do with a chance and what to do with an idea. Right. And it's, it's funny. Right. And there are two children's <laughs> books. I'll send you them because it's, yeah. it, it talks about that premise, right? We're, we're Sometimes opportunities or things are right in front of our face, but we choose not to take that risk or we choose not to, to, to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone into that learning zone. Um, and it, it sounds like that experience was enough to say, I'm not doing that again. And here's a wonderful opportunity for myself in a growing industry that nobody really knows a lot. Um, it's exciting to really hear how that early life experience came back in life and then totally changed the trajectory of where you're, what you're doing today. What was, um, who was the first person you called when you uh, got tapped on the shoulder to, to run uh, a company in, in Rochester?
1: The first person I called um, you mean, besides like my wife, Yeah. Well, sometimes
0: Um, (laughs) you'll be be, uh, surprised. Sometimes people are like, well, I called this person first and we're like, wait, you didn't call your wife. No, I didn't, I guess. (laughs) So your wife, you
1: know, know, I would, I would say like my, it's my YPO forum. Um, so that that group of, of individuals that have been with, you know, we meet for four hours every month for the last 15 years. So they know me very well and, and I know them very well. And, and, um, you know, they would they're, be the first people I would share that kind of news with, for sure.
0: What has been the most gratifying experience over this uh, wild, turbulent ride over the last five years of growing this company?
1: Part of it is just like um, meeting a lot of new people that are super passionate about this technology. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's so much, like with, with Bitcoin, for instance, like you have to self-select in, right? There is no leader, there's no mandate. There's no, like, it's just happening. And when you run across people that are, um, you know, like I, I, I spend all day, every day, working on building out the Bitcoin network, right? Like we're the biggest, we run the biggest Bitcoin mining pool in the world right here in Rochester. Wow. So 25 to 30% of all Bitcoin every day flows through our software. Um, And, you know, we've got a team of people that are really dedicated to making that happen. And in this industry, we've got just an amazing group of people that are super, you know, that are passionate about the future, right? This idea of decentralized infrastructure, eliminating the middlemen, and um you know, controlling controlling your destiny, right? So it's um, it's just it's been fun from that perspective.
0: It's amazing to hear that that same purpose, that drive, that ambition, is really what a lot of people are seeing right now, too, is like we're seeing uh, the 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 real push, I guess, for more choice and control. Uh, and I think that speaks to the potentially the trauma trauma that we've all experienced the pandemic and through all these other areas.
1: Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's more control over your own actions and less control from centralized organizations.
0: Exactly. Okay,
1: right. Like the big centralized organizations, the, the problems are too complex for them just to di- dictate solutions, right? Like it's, the world is changing, it's evolving. And we need to evolve to keep up with it and it it like that's why i'm fascinated by things like elon musk taking over twitter and kind of like opening it back up right and you're like if you're paying attention you're like wow the control over the messaging is incredible even Mm. our even our like i grew up with three channels on tv right it was all exciting (laughs) when we got the fourth channel um and you know, you tuned into the, the world news and, and now so much of it's just opinion mm-hmm. and that opinion's being influenced by the government and others and controlled. Yeah. And you're really like, am I really getting the real story here? And you don't know, right? And I think we need to move into a into a place where you know you, you don't believe necessarily everything you read. You gotta you gotta do your own research, right? Um, and I've seen that with the crypto space is the way the mainstream media covers crypto. Oh. You're like, wow, these people don't, they don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're writing articles about subjects that they literally don't understand. And somebody whispered a little message in their ear and they just, they just repeat it with a big bullhorn. And it's, yeah. you know, it's pretty dangerous. Um, and I, and then you start seeing that
0: in every story yeah. that's, that's being played out. So I couldn't agree more. I think we're moving towards a, less of a fact. We need to move more towards fact-based, right, and, and, and data. And and I think when we challenge the pillars of science, science has been around for a long time because it has a process, and the process inherently you really can't lie within the process of science, right? In in most cases, <laughs> and that's. But I think it's. I think people need to be more inquisitive i guess is probably the better better way uh with that understanding yeah absolutely like being being open-minded yeah
1: being willing to explore other alternatives um in terms of how we organize ourselves how how money is managed how you know like and i just feel like the every day the politicians want to try to get more control right like they want more control yeah that wasn't really, I don't know, that wasn't how the United States was originally set up, wasn't to, you know, it was to, it was to free us from, uh,
0: from control, control, (laughs) right? No taxation without representation. I think uh, that's the whole premise of who we, why we are here and
1: why we've been the greatest, you know, for the last 200 years. Um,
0: So we can't lose sight of that. No. And I, I want to go back to what you said from a quote perspective is problems are too complex to dictate solutions. And I think that's the dictator, right? Bad word, but dictate like even dictating anything to anyone without involving those closest to that are going to be impacted by that decision in the decision process, making process, then what are we all doing? Yeah. And I think that's really where we have moved from is that, that we are so disconnected, not as society, as just as people. And I've seen this a, push for more social connection um, to get back to that. We, we like digital, but we also realized through the pandemic that we need social. We need to see those social cues. We, 70% of communication is nonverbal. So for us to try to just sit behind computers as hamsters and talk notes back into computers can do that. They talk in zeros right. and ones, right? <laughs> right. I think we we need to your point on the beginning of this conversation, you talked about getting personal with people humanizing it again right being vulnerable is the ability to help create that trusting space but also that safe space that you talked of if we're vulnerable people know that they can fail you know we want to fail but we want to learn faster right right and 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 i think that's really a a testament to, to to your leadership over there mike and i think A lot of people are envious of of your culture, right? They see how easy that it appears to be that you guys are attracting talent, right? You're in a sexy industry, um, but really you're in a young culture that is agile, bend, do not break, um, to the market that's continuously changing. And they can't really say the same sometimes.
1: You know, just one comment on that, on the young culture, like we, so I'm not young anymore,
0: Right? Well you look like
1: young. <laughs> I'm 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 uh yeah I'm approaching 50 now. So I'm definitely not on the young side anymore. But I think we've what, what I'm excited about, I think we've done a really good job of blending people that are that have lots of knowledge of the industry with folks that have lots of years of experience and know how to build institutional grade products, right? That um and I think it's more around like young at heart maybe as opposed to just young. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, that's pretty important, especially being an old guy. Uh, You know, like I still have that Mm -hmm. same, you know, hunger as I was when I was in my early twenties. Right. Like it's still there. And I think that's true for lots of folks. And, and I think a lot of people just get stuck in, you know, sometimes in corporate America and it's kind of, it just feels like a dead end, right? And it kind of like burns, it like smothers that fire. Um, so and then they get corporate America has a chance to light the fire with lots of their folks, right? They just gotta think about it different and engage in different ways.
0: And that's what hearing you talk, though, in a growing industry, you had to look at other industries for transferable skill sets that you had to bring into your organization. Absolutely. In order to teach those same. I, I love hearing that Absolutely. because that's the same creativity that organizations need today because they're going to the same talent pools that are overfished. They've gone yeah. to them time and time again. And this is something that I definitely wanted to get into at the end of the conversation is what you're doing in the community as Foundry, right? It's not enough to basically say, "Hey, these are the individuals that have these skills today." I know you guys are taking it one step further to really get out in front of the the, the uh, high schools and programs in the community to kind of teach and educate students of what this industry is and what the potential is for them.
1: Yeah, I think the the you know the the program that uh, we're you know really focused on right now, we're putting a lot of energy and effort into is what we call our mining our mining engineer fellows program. And they're, they're mining engineer fellows, the program's called Rock the Block. And we've um, set out to <clears throat> go hire students that have graduated from the Rochester City School District, bring them into this industry and support them in every way possible to help them, one, break the cycle of poverty, and give them a chance to excel. And there's two things, two things around this. One was I got into crypto because it, I felt like it leveled the playing field and it was gonna redistribute wealth. And, you know, it's one of these opt-in like anybody can participate. Um, And what what I found was we were pretty much Our customers were a bunch of rich white guys pulling their money together and asking us for loans, and I was like, "All right, this doesn't seem like we're like
0: I'm not leveling
1: the playing field. We're not leveling the playing field. Same playing
0: field, field. same (laughs) freaking
1: people. (laughs) So, uh, so was one, and and um, and there was this idea of like, hey, we've got, you know, like oh bitcoin can help those countries and those third world countries in africa and south america and, you know around the world and it was like well wait a minute if you go into downtown rochester it kind of feels like a third world country right like it is it's 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 not good and we we're like what what can we do what can we do for our own community instead of like spending time trying to help
0: save the rest African of the world country yeah
1: yeah <laughs> let's like let's do something here And, and the other piece of it was like, when I got started in the space, I had, I didn't know anything about it, Mm -hmm. right? Like I literally knew nothing about it. And I had to, I had to go through a Mm self-education. I had to teach myself. I had to find people to teach me. Like I started from ground zero and I thought, geez, really anybody can start from ground zero. Mm -hmm. And so we, we said, you know, let's go. Let's go um, let's go do something and help our local community. And that and that's where we started the program. And I, I had I know you interviewed Bob Duffy. I, I gave him a call and I told him what I wanted to go do. And he he said, Well, I, I said I need a leader for it. And he said, I got the perfect person, Adrian. Oh, Hammond. Yeah, he's and, the man. He has, he's been amazing. I'm so lucky to work with Adrian. And, and look, we've got four young adults in the rock the block program. Um, all from, you know, the inner city, graduated recently from Rochester City School District. Um, and we've, you know, it's been a great learning experience for us. I think it's been a great experience for them. And we're doing everything we can to help them, you know, um, create a better life for themselves and for their yeah. families. And it's, um, it's, an, it's been very rewarding and and very challenging.
0: I'm, I'm you know? sure it comes with its challenges, but I think from from all even even your, like your W two at the end of the year. I have a feeling that this means more to you than ever seeing what that W two looks like because you're you you talked about impact right and and this is something that I think that you as a leader have seen is like your your role not only impacts the people within your own walls, but you also have the opportunity to impact the community in which all your individuals live and work. And, and, and being that shared partner and understanding how important it was for you to open up a business in Western New York and employ uh, indiv- uh, and individuals within the, the community that we have. And and just, I think for those four young adults that have entered the program, they see the investment in your commitment in their development and and, and you working to empower and enable their success. I, I can only imagine how rewarding that is for you and Adrian over there and the team um, kind of puts yeah they're working very hard.
1: To, they're, they're working
0: very hard, right? Like it's not, it's not easy. No, Um, no. And, and one of the things I wanted to say is the self-education piece, Um, just kind of closing the loop on that is the same thing. I I was passionate about um, HR and all of a sudden then I was passionate about leadership as well. And then I was like, you know what, how do I tie all this together where people can see it? And I went and self-taught myself on people analytics and, and data science, because it was like, that was the missing component is, all these things are tied with emotions when we talk about engagement and turnover and all these other things, but what does it really mean to the business? And, and I I love that self-education and anyone can learn this. And I think it's that perception that, Oh, I am so special and I learned in this way. And I know more than anybody else, but here it is you saying, okay, if I could learn it, everybody else can, how do we develop a program where other people can learn about this awesome industry that I just learned about myself and almost share that as a gift uh, out to the world. And I, th- I, I love what you said is just, just break the cycle of poverty and give them a chance to excel. And I think it's that speaks to the difference between mentorship and sponsorship right there. And I think there are two different things, both very important. Um, yeah. But I think it, it takes both in order to be successful to level that playing field.
1: Yeah, I, I was, um, I I really was like ignorant to how how much is stacked against these individuals in terms of being successful. Like it's just it's unreal the challenges that they have to deal with. And I always tell the story of you know like okay they don't have cars. They didn't even have driver, they didn't even have driver's licenses when they started, right? Mm-hmm. So we sent Ubers to go pick them up and bring them to work, and we paid for it. It was like, oh, this is no problem, right? And I, I, I share the story because it was one of these like real eye-opening moments for me. first day, two two of them were going to show up late. They did show up late. And internally, the narrative's playing out of like, really, we're trying to change the lives and they don't they don't even' you not know, accountable.
0: Like, they, don't, they don't care. They don't
1: even care enough to show up on time. And Adrian came in and he's like, Look at Uber refused to pick them up in their neighborhood. Hmm. (laughs) It was just one of those like, Oh shit, this is going to be different. This is like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, So we, you know, we, we hired driver's ed teacher to come out. They've all learned how to drive. They all got their driver's licenses. We helped them, you know, get, get vehicles. So now they're driving on their own. Like, of things are are life-changing for folks that look at it, if you grew up in the suburbs you just take this stuff for granted like oh, right? yeah. like
0: well it doesn't i'm going to
1: get my driver's license when i turn 16 like why like of course you do yeah and it's not it's not the case for everybody
0: and i think that talks about society as a whole if we're not asking questions and we're not inquisitive we're never going to ask somebody else about their day what their experience was and to your point if we don't have the energy, we fill in the gaps with more assumptions, right? And we just assume the answer to those questions. How how important has that been for your learning journey? I guess as a as a as a CEO now, um, seeing maybe the, some of those potential roadblocks and those challenges, has it opened up your eyes to some of the other challenges as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Oh, hundred percent. Right, like it's not you can't just like. I don't know, hang the poster on the wall yeah. right like <laughs> just like
0: those values <laughs>
1: yeah like so, and like sometimes I get quite like we should you know we should donate more to the community or whatever and it's like no look at we're really focused on having a real impact on a few people's lives right like that's where that's where like it that's where it matters that's where it really matters is when you can change
0: the trajectory of just one person's life. Well, because that like one rip- person knows 10 other people, right? So theoretically, yeah, the, the, the
1: ripple effect of that is, is massive.
0: Yeah. massive. I, I, I always, had, I think is our perception is our, our reality until new information or new experiences are, are had. And I think that's always been my fascination with undercover boss is that, for the first time, they finally realized that the person had to take two buses and a car ride in order to get to work that day. And it was, they just didn't understand because they've never had those experiences themselves. Therefore, it didn't exist until it was shown that it did exist. So I think just hearing you um, going through this experience yourself, but really showing your commitment, right, Mike, because I think a lot of people love these programs, right? And we should be doing this and let's do it but very few would go to the levels and extremes of hiring a driving coach and looking for all these creative solutions to the roadblocks and challenges. Most people would say, well, that's their problem, not mine, right? To see that you went to the next level with your team to ensure the feasibility and the ease, right? And to really try to create that safe space is amazing, Mike, because most people would stop at the end of determining, oh, these are our roadblocks all right, well, this program, let's scrap it. Let's try to think of something else. And then they're on yeah. to the next thing and no action is really ever taken. <laughs> and, and, you know, the,
1: the, um, the fellows, that they're, they're inc- incredibly talented people. Mm-hmm. They, they are hungry. They want to make a difference. They're working hard and, you know, they've just up to this point, I, if, they've really had everything stacked against them. So it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't like. I'm not sure there's any there's any real like straightforward or there's no simple answer to this. Like, I think everyone looks for like the simple answer, and there is easy button. Really, yeah, there yeah there is there's no easy button, right? Yes. Like, and it's tough. Like the the education system is absolutely failing um, for for the kids in the inner city. Like it, they are just pushing kids through. They don't care. They're not actually learning anything and it's really sad and and it's it's hard to recover from that right yeah. like it's hard to go through the world with a fourth or fifth grade education and i right? and like like yeah. like that's the reality of what's right. happening and right. like you don't fix that system overnight it's
0: yeah and, and i'm, I'm not grateful no, no, it's, no it's really good because I just went to Leadership Rochester last week was Education Day, right? And uh, so we had the opportunity to see Harley School in Franklin, right? So you talk about two different sides of the world, right? Two different sides of the planet from $30,000 a year to and 100% graduation rate to a graduation rate of 65%. But I can honestly tell you, Mike, some of the same things that you share from a culture perspective, from a safety perspective, Right. My experience of walking into Franklin, going through uh, airport level security, three metal detectors and security guards that look like they could bench my car with walkie talkies. I don't know how conducive that environment is to even learn, right? I think you're going to, most students are going to constantly be utilizing that right brain where it's a fight or flight response. Now, when we went to Harley, very different, right? Open, warm, no security guards, no, no, none of that. And they had a hundred percent graduation rate. Now I'm sure there's a lot of other variables at play, but I think that safety is really important for learning too. It's
1: so, it's so complex, but I, I would say the, like the, one of the big, I think one of the things that are is misunderstood is if Franklin has a 65% graduation rate, I bet, I bet it's if you actually compared from a, Competency perspective, mm-hmm. it's probably less than ten percent actually.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah.
1: they're just pushing kids through. Just get them out, get them out, get them out. Yeah, and move them, move them through the system. Yeah, and um so you don't. It doesn't. People don't really internalize how bad it really is, and oh, yeah. and it is like, and I. I I spent years doing a what they call the pencil program where they match CEOs up with print with principals. And we were like a mentor. That's cool. So I spent, I'd go in once a month to Franklin was actually one of the schools I'd go to and, and spend a few hours with the principal, like talking about their challenges and what they're dealing with. And it's overwhelming. It's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah. I have no idea where to even begin yeah no. so well, i think i guess I think, what we what we did was we said hey can we can we find a few people and help a few people and maybe they can inspire a few other folks to you know work a little bit harder and and yeah. um and, you know
0: kind of create that i ripple think it's effect. seeing opportunity but you you seeing their potential first and allowing them to see the opportunity next and that and that's I think, I think the city can feel small if you've never left it before, right? The world feels pretty small if you've never left. A, a, a no, no, Kevin, hour. they literally have never left correct. the city. Correct.
1: Which like, is just... It's not like, oh, it can feel small. It's literally, they don't know anything other than correct a few streets that they live on.
0: Yeah, it's which is the privilege out. that you and I can go back to. And that's why I talk about is some of these things that I took for granted, right, growing up. And now, now I'm learning, looking back, and am grateful for it because... It did grow my perception. It did grow my my worldly view. Um, it's it's fascinating. But if you don't have those experiences, and this is why I'm on this age, wisdom somehow equals age, right? And our society has told us that wisdom equals age, but that's that couldn't be further from the truth, right? And and right. that's it's just amazing to sit here, Mike, and and talk to a CEO that gets it, right? That everybody has skills and strengths, right? That it can be developed. It just takes investment, it takes creativity and creates, creating the opportunity for them to to, to learn those skills. Um, but yeah. once they learn those skills, that then what else that ripple effect, but what else have you created? And, and, and what have you done to really change probably the paradigm of the rest of their life and their family's life moving forward? It's, it's, it's yeah. a huge responsibility, but it's a wonderful opportunity. And I'm, I'm just so encouraged to hear that this is the stuff that you're doing at Foundry because it's what I see. It's what I read. Um, it's what Mark talked about. I heard Adrian talk at Disrupt HR about um, rock the block. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I asked about it because it's not how businesses have traditionally done business. And I think this is you outside the box and reaping the benefits of showing that you're committed to the community. You're really, truly making a difference and your people are passionate about, yes, blockchain and and leveling the playing field, but what are we doing outside of the walls of just our business here in the community in which we all live and work? So I just want to say thank you so much for spending an hour plus with me. Um, This has been a fabulous conversation. I definitely miss Tyler. I'm sure I got a little bit more boring than our guests are usually used to because Tyler always got has the colorful questions but uh i really love this conversation with you mike and uh just want to say thank you for all that you're doing with your team for the community here in rochester and and starting to really put us on the map in a favorable light
1: yeah thanks kevin thanks for the invite it was a pleasure speaking with you